Imagine, if you will, a Saturday in November. The game is on the line. The season on the break. You have an All-American tight end, but he's sitting on the bench. You have just entered the third session. Well, guys, Bill, I think uh, it was at least you got to stay warm. I was warm and not as upset as I used to get. Um, you know, kind of just settled into uh, mediocre Iowa football season mode. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was comfy at least. Well, Tori and I were not having a good day, and uh, at some point, I think, and Tori, you can vouch for me on this one, uh, I think we were actually winning at the time. I turned to Tori and I said, I actively hate this football game right now. And and that was when we were leading. (laughs) Yeah, and I couldn't tell if you meant, like, I couldn't tell if you meant, like, that specific football game, or just every time Iowa plays Northwestern, or just, you know, Iowa football. I... Started typing a text We're to you guys three. and figured uh, that you um, the the feeling was known. I was just gonna say, um, I just I hate watching this team play often. It's not fun. It's I, I, it's just excruciating. It, it really is. I just throw it easily on the sideline for three yards. Run it up the middle for point three yards. Just punt it away. I don't know. Well, welcome to 12 Saturdays uh, after loss. Number Trey, numero Trey. I'm James Bladel with Bill Delahunt and Tori Brecht. And Tori, uh, yeah, it, I'm, Bill's got a point. It's like watching, you know, a little kid try to push water uphill. It's it's painful. It wasn't this way all season, though. That's what is so perplexing to me. It's like they're actively, you know, de-evolutionizing before in front of our eyes, if that's even a word. I don't, they're I don't unlearning know football. the word. Yeah, they're, they're like actively... Sorry. Yeah, that, that. They're devolving yeah. before our very eyes, and they're, like, turning back into, like, the 2012 version of the Iowa Hawkeyes, and I, I, I just... I'm at flummoxed at what the what is going on. I mean, Jim, you know that I generally don't get that angry. Did you see me punt the my Coke Zero <laughs> souvenir <laughs> mug after that fumble? <laughs> like, what in the hell are you doing in the yeah. two minute drill? Your quarterback is finally not looking like a deer in the headlights and completing some passes. Your running backs have just fumbled the game away earlier, and you run a dive play in the two minute drill. To get fumbled mm. again? What the? I, I can't I, not use profanity when talking about that football <laughs> game. I, I, do you know how hard it was for me to write my column this week? Uh, I, I, did you have to run past uh, the spell checker sensor, just do a control F and then look for F U and then just go back and start replacing? And I know uh, we tried to. We was talking about ducking a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I know we try to avoid the big one on this podcast. But there is no way to describe that game other than to say it was abject fuckery from (laughs) start to finish. It was. It just was. And it's disgusting, and it doesn't make sense. And I don't want to say gave up, but it's almost as if these guys just ran out of reasons 
to or or something to play for, you know. Just kind of yeah, we're just kind of phoning it in. Um, every every aspect of it, even the defense now, is kind of like, well, if the offense is going to phone it in and no personnel changes happen, hurt us, you know. Ah, it's tough to watch. So here's my question though: Was it the game plan, or is Nate Stanley just so I don't know? Uh, you know, gun shy and, and freaked out now that he immediately went to his chuck de- check downs. Cause that kind of is part of what it looked to, cause they did take a couple deep shots uh, earlier in the game. He was inaccurate. People weren't open. And then after that, it was just like, okay, we're going back to everything within three yards of the line of scrimmage. When your guys are getting mugged all day, just like they were in Purdue and nobody's calling it, you know, I, I don't know what you have to have a perfect throw or you might as well take the low stuff because they're not calling it when your guys are getting held up at the line and, and beaten up downfield. And the only one they called against Iowa was the one where the receiver laid out and got a fingertip on the ball as it sailed for his head. And they pull out the flags. Well, yeah, I mean, the officiating was just another, you know, Oof. pile of crap on the crap sandwich. There's no doubt about it. It was horrendous, which begs the question of, you saw the big deal about, oh, Iowa sent 30 plays into the Big Ten officiating office after Purdue to express their displeasure. Well, geez, that sure seemed to have had a positive uh, reaction. I think it's uh, it's uh, it's only working. It's, it's backfiring, if anything. Going back to your point, Tori, about the checkdowns, Brady Quinn, who was one of the announcers, did point out that Stanley was coming off of guys way too soon. There was one play, uh, he looked Amir Smith-Marzette's way, uh, came off him, dumped it to the running back, and Smith-Marzette was wide open a split second later. It could have gone for six, and Stanley's just not seeing him. Uh, the running game, uh, running games were also just kind of a nightmare. I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of that. I mean. There was just nothing, nothing happening for all three guys. I mean, this was before the fumbles. Our run defense, of course, looked like uh, what we thought Northwestern's run defense was supposed to be. Um, just huge holes opening up in the middle, the sides. Um, it was crazy. It was crazy how easy it was for them to move the ball on the ground. And didn't Tory sense a, a stat that through the season uh, up till Saturday, Northwestern was averaging, I think, 90-something yards on the ground, and their freshman guy from Palookaville runs for 165 on us suddenly. <laughs> Everybody, gets to break. Mark Weissman. Yeah. Everybody gets to break their native uh, tendencies, Bill, when they play Iowa. Everybody. You know, we're the we're the bad guy in everybody else's dream season, yeah. as you as you've said. Uh, it's it's tough to watch. So, but Northwestern somehow becomes bowl eligible. And wins the West same night. Uh, no, no wins in non-conference. I, Michigan is going to eat them for breakfast, right? I mean, it seems like that. I, I'm trying to think of the animal to compare Northwestern to. I, the only thing I can come up with is is a cockroach, right? <laughs> they have absolutely no survival or evolutionary advantage or survival skill, except except they cannot die. You cannot kill. Oh, and they just, I mean, be like the Northwestern cockroaches. I, here, here, I'm for it. I did have a better, though, if you want to hear it, Tori and Bill. Uh, it, it's kind of like I was thinking about restaurants because there's a restaurant that I won't name that's uh, here making some news. 
And it's one of these things where, you know how like your parents and grandparents had a favorite restaurant and they would just rave about it. And so and you're, yeah, hey, maybe I ought to check out that restaurant. So you get the wife and kids and you go to the restaurant and you look at the menu and it's like, it's like uh, meatloaf with mashed potatoes and, and uh, fried chicken and uh, pot roast. And, and you're sitting here scratching your head and you're like, what the? F is this a restaurant? I want to go to a restaurant. I want to get something from some other region of the world or something that has to be described to me, right? I don't want the stuff that I can make at home. And then it occurred to me that like for previous generations, the measure of like a good restaurant was how well they cooked the stuff that you already cook. And I'm like, that fall. People, there's like this generation that like Oh, I don't want to see anything fancy. I don't want to see a lot of scoring. I just want to, you know, just kind of sit back. I want my comfort food. Uh, you know, I want my Kirk Ferentz. I want him to explain to me that that's football, and you play the personnel that give you the best chance to win, and and uh, you know, and and all this stuff. And I'm just like, no, I'm done with it. I want to try a different restaurant. Um, I want it. I, you know, I want something exotic once in a while. So I'm I'm tired of the comfort food football. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that too. But I mean, we've had this conversation many years in the past too but you know the other thing you run the risk of is you know getting that really uh authentic mexican place and then sitting on the toilet having it come out <laughs> both ends for a while you know i mean that's that's what happens when you hire like a dj durkin or something like that now i i, I mean the, the other thing about iowa that's so freaking frustrating is that it's not like a completely broken machine you know it's like it's like just good enough like i i don't know we're, we're just stretching for an analogies but to me they're kind of like a, a you know that your truck at 150,000 miles and you're pretty sure you can get everything done with it that you need to get done with it but you're not really sure i don't know it's just like it, they're so close to being a you know good enough but they're just not and i owe you two both an apology because i kind of chastised you last week for talking about lack of grit or toughness but i mean i think this saturday it was on full display they, they're just they're they don't have a winner's killer instinct or attitude far be it for me to say i told you so <laughs> no you were right i mean i they they i think you know I, maybe it was the Purdue loss that finally took the starch out of them because up until I had every confidence, even in that first drive, Iowa started out looking halfway decent. And I was like, okay, you know, we're going to take care of business here and finish out the season good. And then it was like they just, to, to Jim's earlier points, like they ran out of gas or hit a wall or what, pick your, pick your cliche. Is Kirk's seat warming up? I mean, I, I think objectively, no. I mean, objectively, his seat isn't going to get warm. And this is the thing that where it – and this is really the crux of what I wrote in my column this week is that, you know, being an Iowa fan is kind of like first-world problems, right? Like, you know, well, we're, we're good enough. I mean, we, we, you know, we're not Illinois. We're not Minnesota. We're, we're probably – honestly, probably in the 85th-ish percentile of college football teams. They're – many programs that would kill to be crying over seven or eight wins a season, even if it's not against any great teams, because they can't even accomplish that. Um, but at what point do you know, this is the Tom Davis argument all over again. You know, at what point do you take that chance to, you know, quote unquote, take it to the next level? Knowing full well, as we've seen with our own eyes, it's not guaranteed. I mean, is it even 50-50? 
that that if you canned well, ferrets tomorrow that you'd get something better? And I'm not using that as an argument to say you never get rid of a coach if they're just mediocre or uh, slightly above average. But, you know, look at our friends in Lincoln. How many coaches did they go through before they finally found the guy they wanted? How okay. A decade? Oh, I, I, first of all, well, let me just kind of back up. First of all, it is a challenge. I understand. And there's a, like 12 ways to get it wrong and only one way to get it right. I get that. But I don't think you can compare us to Lincoln because they're starting to develop a reputation that they're going to hire somebody and then that you have to produce right out of the gate, even with somebody else's recruits or you get canned. You know, I mean, they already have set unrealistic expectations with what they did to Polini, which probably had less to do with what he was doing on the field. And then uh, who was the other guy? Riley, right? Um, I think the other issue, Tori, is when you say, like, Iowa, for the first time in 20 years, is looking for a head coach, I think you get attention, okay? It's a Big Ten program. They're a contender. Like you said, they all, they have this kind of floor, it seems, at 7-5, and 8-4, and four, and they have money to spend. They have top-rate facilities. They get the recruits. And, and you know, you look at somebody like Iowa State. They get a great coach, like, you know, like uh, Campbell or before him, they get uh, Chiswick or whatever. Everybody's using them as a stepping stone to get somewhere else. And that's not true. We are a destination program. I, I truly believe that. You go from Iowa, you go to retirement, or you go to the NFL. I agree. So, We're not I, just Iowa. And uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know that I've read this numerous times, and I'm sure you guys have too, that we're a top 25, if not top 10, uh, money grocer in, in the NCAA. We, I mean, we bring in money. We've got money to spend. So, you know, we've got advantages that, that a lot of other programs like your Purdue's or your Illinois don't have. You guys aren't wrong, but look at Michigan. They, they got rid of Lloyd Carr. Michigan, the all-time winningest program in college football history. It, they, in the midst of amazing recruiting fertile, you just, you know, you're a brand, you're one of the probably top five brand names. And they went through two schmoes after shit-canning Lloyd Carr before they landed on well, Harbaugh. I mean, sure. Even Harbaugh hasn't got them to double-digit wins until this season. So, no, I hey, I am not, like, saying we just hand people lifetime contracts. What I'm saying is... Just be prepared because the odds and the statistics back it up are that you will hire somebody or a couple somebodies that aren't even going to come close to being as good as Kirk Ferentz for 10, 15, 20 years. And then, shit, Jim, you and I will be 70. Oh, you know, I, so I, I don't know, Tori. First of all, I tend to have a pessimistic view of college football in general. I think the fact that Alabama has a five-star at every position in the two deeps hurts college football um you know i think that i you know this is this is a longer story but i mean you, you know you can't hold on to a these 85 years old in his 30th season because you're scared you know because you can't pull the trigger on somebody else you have to eventually and you have to do it right and you have to pick your moment you have to get the next uh you know you've got to kind of hit your ride to the to the next rising star the way we did with parents and, and the way we did with steve elford well, okay, you want to make basketball comparisons? I don't even know if I can talk to you because I, I don't even—I'm not even equipped to have that. All I'm saying okay, is, look right. around the I, country. The numbers will indicate that you are odds-on likely to get somebody worse because the number of coaches that generally win seven, eight games a, a season is actually very, very small. 
That, well, that's all I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm not say saying don't things. do it. I'm just saying be very be just. You better live with the decision once you make it because you, you know. Is you don't have the ten-year impossibly uh, prohibitive buyout contract that we seem to be continuing on. That's bullshit. And then the second. I don't really, and you and I have said, I don't know that I really think Gary Barta is the guy that I want making this decision. Mm. So we got to swap out the AD first. I just want some fun football to watch. I mean, if the offense is slinging it around and, and putting up 49 a game and, and the defense, you know, maybe giving up 40 a game, you know, at least that's enjoyable. And, and really, at the end of the day, it's just a game, you know? Why does it have to be just ass puckeringly excruciating to watch our offense trudge down the field you know for inches at a time i I think you're absolutely right bill ultimately we step back and say this is supposed to be entertainment and uh the time it feels like a burden but i will say that the slinging around the field just seemed a long in the in the big ten no you're right jim and I, I guess if we're being serious, I would hope that, you know, the next AD, if, if that's the case, weighs that into consideration when they look for the new guy. I hope they kind of maintain Iowa's identity, which is, you know, run first, um, you know, play good defense. But, you know, use Hayden Fry's formula, scratch where it itches, it, you know, keep your playmakers on the field at least. Well, with the, how you can recruit, you better do that. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're not going to do anything. And this is an interesting question for you guys is, is was the 2015 season an aberration and would we still have current Ferentz if we had gone eight and four lost a middle bowl game in 2015 instead of going to the Rose Bowl? Because it feels like that was kind of a blip now. Well, it was definitely an outlier. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But I, in fact, it's funny that you mentioned that, Jim, because I just pulled up my a column that I'd written in 2014. I was looking at it when, last time I used the phrase Ferentz fatigue. And I, I'm going to update it at the end of this year. Bill can help too. But it clearly shows the peaks and the valleys and the peaks and the valleys and the duration between them. And yeah, 2815 was an aberration. Uh, 2009 was an aberration. But, you know, going back to what I said before about first world problems is that, you know, there is one coach in the Big Ted Conference right now. Well, two, I guess, Meyer that's you know Ohio State's its own animal but that have actually navigated a Big Ten season undefeated twice and it's Kirk Ferentz um Wisconsin which is the team we're you know have been looking up at and been trying to to do has done it once in their entire hundreds plus years of football history um so you know are they outliers yeah but is there a guarantee that there's any other coach in the country that that is going to get them through an undefeated season and can show it by their no. actual objective track record? No. There's no guarantee. Do you trade our last 10 years for Wisconsin's last 10 years? Would I? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. They've been more consistent. They're less peaks and valleys. Yeah. So there you go. And that not that pretty much all sports? I mean, people used to tell me the difference between pro golfer and just a guy who you know, has a really nice handicap is that the pro golfer can do it, you know, every hundred day, right? It's consistency. That is true. The, the problem, though, again, and I mean, these aren't new debates that we've had, but the, the, the thing you have to be wide, have eyes wide open about is the some of the natural barriers that Iowa does have as a program. 
you know, being sharing the state with another, you know, Power Five team, which its neighbors don't, being one of the smallest schools in the Big Ten, being in a rural area with poor recruiting. You know, th- those are all issues. You know, you look at Nebraska, they still are living off a certain extent of their reputation and their name. Iowa doesn't really have that. So I'm all I'm saying is, you know, you, we've been so fortunate to have two coaches that have just been, you know, hand in glove with what the Iowa program's about, you know, that, um, you know, I actually just think it's easier. I think the odds are higher that this coaching staff will get things figured out and get us back to the type of seasons we want. I think the odds are higher than a new coaching staff coming in would achieve it. That's just my opinion. Uh, well, we'll probably have to leave it for there, Tori, and we'll check in with your opinion here after a couple of weeks. But uh, we should probably move on to a different topic here, which was the subject of Ferentz Zone, little improv. You like that, Bill? I, I thought of you Oops. when I was making it. I was impress you very well done no uh, <laughs> you're you know you you got some av bona fides <laughs> so just mixing that together but so what is the de- the debate du jour that noah fant had nine second half snaps the game on the line so let's you know i mean obviously everybody's going nuts on twitter and the boards and everything about this whole issue but let's maybe just kind of like each of us lay down on the table. What do you think is the most plausible explanation for what's going on? Tori? Oh, man. I, I mean, I, I'm the wrong person to ask because nothing seems plausible to me. I mean, the the theory I've heard posited is that in some way he has been, um, you know, maybe dogging it in practice or he's in some kind of doghouse with Ference, to which I say, if that's the case, why is he playing at all? Because mm-hmm. you're not going to teach it. That would be like me grounding my kid and going, okay, well, you're grounded, but you can go get ice cream and you could go to Hardee's, but you can't go to your friend's house. You can't go here. I mean, either sit his ass if he's a problem or play him, period, the end. I don't, I don't understand how it could be anything different. So I, I guess I struggle buying that aspect. But then the other option is our coaches are just idiots, and I don't believe that either. So I don't know. You guys tell me. <laughs> I, I'm I'm with you, Tori. I yeah. I mean the 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 stats don't bear that out. That I saw somebody say that you know uh, of course it's a friend of a friend knows players on the team, and apparently uh, if you're to believe this guy, Fant told the coaches off after the Maryland game for his lack of snaps or whatever. And then they said, screw you. We still won. And then he hasn't been to class in weeks, which if you're not going to class under Kirk Ferentz, you're certainly not playing. And, and he got, you know, five the, uh, or five catches in the fourth quarter against Penn state. And God knows how many bullets bounced into his shoes in that game. And against Purdue had three catches and one for 65. So certainly he was part of that game. And then, He's targeted three get times this week. So I, I don't know if our coaches are kind of maybe turtling, like, you know, self-scouting themselves so much that they are second-guessing themselves and don't want Fant out there because it might be too obvious. I don't know. I don't – I can't get my head into that space where you don't play a playmaker like Fant, but – just like how the 49ers didn't want to use Jerry Rice because, oh, my God, everybody knows he's going to get the ball. <laughs> Don't give it to Walter Payton. They know he's going to run it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I struggle with this, too, and I, I've also thought about Tory's theory and, and the whole I think 
something off the field, then he would just be benched, right? Right. But, but yet DJK had his constant up and downs with uh, Ference, and he was still playing up until the very end. So I don't know. Maybe DJK, uh, you know, because he was tweeting at Fant too. Did you see that? He was just kind of no, like, I missed that. Oh, he was just like, just trust me, just you know, say the right things, keep your head down, do your job, know your position, listen to your coaches. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, because regardless of what you think of Ference, like he's Yoda to those NFL programs, and if he says a bad word about you, you are not working after this. So mm-hmm. you, know, you definitely need that letter of reference. Um, I was thinking that you know that they just somehow got locked into that single tight end set. And they just objectively think that Hawkinson is the better tight end right now. The whole package, not just receiving, but also blocking and route running and stuff. And and I, I that's probably arguably true. Well, um, I think he probably is. But here's my question: If that is the case, if if then why not split Fant out wide? They've done right. it before. I mean, wh- or is there a law that you can't have him as your slot receiver and Hawkinson still in the game? No, right, you must yeah. use Max Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, Hawkinson is damn good. But so was Marvin McNutt, so we didn't put DJK on the bench. I mean, you want to have, you know, good guys out there to take the heat off from each other. And, you know, what's up with no three tight end sets like we've, you know, given Urban Meyer fits with the two times that Kirk's played him? I mean, that that killed Ohio State last year. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. I think what it gets to, and Bill, it's something you brought up earlier, and what is disturbing to me is, what is Iowa's offensive identity? You know, <laughs> uh, sometimes we chuck the ball all around. Sometimes you try to grind it out and run. Sometimes you run three tight end sets. Sometimes you're like, we're so multiple and doing different things. It's like, we never stick with anything, you know? And that's, I also have that thing with the running backs. I would almost rather just play one guy an entire half and see what happens. The, yeah. You know, waiting for lightning to strike to figure out which one's hot. Well, shit, they're all getting two, three yards a, a, ga- a carry, then they're out, and then they fumble, then they're out, and then they get to – I mean, who's going to actually break one off if they're not even getting an opportunity? I completely agree, and I, I was just thinking, like, the, the big hole in my theory about Fant is that there were a couple of uh, sets out there with Hawkinson and Nate – uh, what's his name? Weeding? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, or Whiting or something. So that shoots my idea out of the water. So have you guys, not to get all meta or anything, but have you guys noticed that our podcast is completely off the rails and sloppy and unorganized right now? Man. Reflection of our football team, man. I say, <laughs> right? Just, is it not? Maybe we should get a new coach, <laughs> Tori. <laughs> Well, you started this thing, so I guess uh, you're the coach, Bladel. Uh, so I don't gentlemen. feel like we could get anybody better for our podcast than <laughs> our noble leader. I mean, you that could end up with a Nebraska podcast or an Illinois podcast. You could talk some boat rowing goofball up here. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what we forgot to do is we forgot to flush this thing. This is a two flusher. It is. All right. This is a double flush. I think it's a triple flush. One for each. Lost. Everyone gets that turn on the handle here. Well, our guest uh, today, uh, 
friend of the 12 Saturdays podcast. I think the first time we've had him on this season yet, though, it's uh, Mark Morehouse from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, uh, press conference today. How are how are things over at uh, the Iowa football facility on this fine Tuesday? Well, everybody was there. No, I'm kidding. I I, uh, I think everybody was there. Um, pretty, you know, Ferentz knew it was coming. Uh, I got the ball rolling with uh, basically, I, I, I can't understand why fam wasn't playing and nothing really incendiary uh he didn't really answer the question again you know which he, i kind i think most people understand that you're not going to get a lot of you know uh locker room whatever from kirk you just you're not so uh or football policy or you know i remember a few years ago uh one they used to have like five things listed in the old football building five like things that they held closely one of them was our business is our business, and uh, that's I've kind of used that as a code to to try to crack over the years, and I've been, I've had some success, but this fan thing I you know that's I think that's a Kirk Bryan thing, maybe a staff thing, and then it rolls out into the world as Kirk not really knowing you know how to adjudicate or move the matter along with any any definitive statement, so. I hope this question goes away because I don't want to have to write this every week. And I I don't think anybody, I don't think you guys, I don't think readers are going to hang with that very long. I think you guys want to get to other things. And I, and I think one of the pressing things will be the bull eventually. I think that's way down on the list, but I think number one, I kind of get, I got to it at the end of my story today was, you know, what the heck is going on with the offense? And this is two years now of really super inconsistent offense. I would say last year was better. This mm-hmm. year, this year has been has been a slide in the wrong direction. So, did you get the impression, Mark, uh, that uh, he was trying to walk back some of his post game comments? Um, I just read the transcript, but I, I thought that was kind of unusual. I think he wanted clarification. I wouldn't say walk back. I just think he wanted clarification. I think he, I don't think he handled Saturday night very well. But I don't hold that stuff against him because, you know, if you don't come out of a game, you know or you're wearing headphones and things are happening fast and you have to be absolutely, utterly, completely, totally aware every second of that game. You get to the press conference. I, I, I don't blame him for, for going, you know, kind of the mind blanking at, at some point there. Cause I would for me. Yeah, um, sure. so I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think, I don't think he handled the fan question very well in post game, but I'm not going to beat him up terribly over that today was, you know, I'm not going to beat him up terribly either, but, it's. I don't think it's it eased any concern from fans. Um, I, I. I really. Uh, I guess the proof will be in the pudding this weekend in Illinois in those situations. And hey, now everyone's watching. This is something I kind of first noticed at Purdue. I mean, third in the second half against Purdue, there were important third downs, and I want to say there were a couple fourth downs where fan wasn't in there. And I get it. You want to run the ball maybe for two yards and fourth down, but you also. You know, maybe Fant takes three guys with him, and you can get that corner. So who knows? Well, if you'd inter- interviewed me directly after that game, you would have just got a string of profanity and <laughs> completely <laughs> radical thoughts about firing everybody that's ever walked through the Iowa football building. So, <laughs> 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 
I honestly don't even know how they answer questions. <laughs> Man, what would, and, Tori, what would you what would you do if Iowa had a Baylor thing? Uh, I think you know what I, I'd be right there with you, filling the place with concrete and setting it on fire. <laughs> if it had a Baylor thing, you know that you know that cement dome they're building over Chernobyl that you can see from like fifty miles away. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I didn't know that, but now that I do, I'm for sure going to work that in as some sort of story. <laughs> Well, you know, I, and I don't want to belabor the fan thing, so I'll just ask one right. final question, though, which is, uh, do, do you think it's even somewhat plausible or, or that there is a possibility that there indeed is an, I don't know, attitude issue or a doghouse issue here? That just seems so odd to me that, that, and I know they didn't do it that way with DJK, but wouldn't it make more sense that if somebody's got an attitude problem, you sit their ass on the bench, period? I, I guess I don't even understand what the point of, sort of kind of limiting them would even accomplish well their their story and they're sticking to it is that they're not limiting him but they want to maybe go to somebody else which saturday night was you know kyle gronewig and uh max cooper who you know bless his heart he did hurt his knee in this game and is out for the year you know it's i saw that how cool would have been saturday night if that's past stanley tried to Max Cooper would have worked, you know, I mean, this would be a very, di- uh, maybe on the other dimension where that happened, it's a much happier Hawkeye place. <laughs> but right now, you know, that was a five wide and Fant was on the field and he went to the read that popped open. <sighs> I, 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 I guess Iowa doesn't do that. Throw up the jump ball thing. It did for Marvin McNutt. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think that's the last kind of jump ball guy that I was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they haven't done that, and they and they don't do it now. So I, I I don't know. Fant was not hurt. He was asked every question you can imagine under the sun as far as after the game as far as being hurt. He's fine. He just says what he's been saying. You know, he goes out there and he does what the coaches tell him to do. Now there's he's obviously a guy who's got NFL potential. I mean, every mock draft right now has him in the first round. And I, I read Matt Miller from Bleacher Report today, and I thought this was interesting. It's a really crappy year for skill players, and so tight ends are going to be. And I think part of the reason why tight ends are, you know, the profile's grown is you've seen what Joe, George Kittle's doing and, and what he's doing for that team out there in San Francisco. Yeah. Oh, and my fantasy team. I mean, <laughs> me too. Man, it's the only luck <laughs> I think I've ever had. Um, fan, but fan, I don't know if Fan has the kind of the, the mental makeup that George has, but and he's an athletic tight end who can run. And if and if the NFL or if the college football doesn't kick up a lot of skill guys this year, he is going to go in the first round. So he's been walking around with that possibility for a long time. And I think when you have an athlete like Fant, it really becomes get to the combine. If you have a guy, you could have 6'4", 241-pound guy, I'm not sure what his speed is. If he has a pro agility in the and you got to do that in front of NFL scouts who are going to rain money on you after you do it. Right. Same thing for the vertical, same thing for the for whatever the 40 is. He's an athlete who needs to get the combine. He's going to get paid for how he does at the combine, and then it's going to be about the football. So, so do I you, think do you oh, think he ahead, sits the bowl game. No, do you think he sits the bowl game? That's a new. I thing. do, I do. I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, really, I mean, if it really does become about the draft for him, and I imagine he declares sometime at the end of the season, um, and then you know, uh, if I ends up in the Holiday Bowl, then you know, maybe. But you know, I think Christian McCaffrey sort of ripped the mask off of this. I think it was a Sun Bowl Stanford was supposed to play in, and he was like, nah, nope, I'm going to go get paid, guys, sorry. 
Yeah, I you, think it wouldn't be very well received. I think it was with McCaffrey because his teammates were like, yep, that guy's got to go get paid. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, with Iowa going through that for the first time with fans who, you know, there's obviously some sort of static going on. Maybe, maybe that just does, maybe that just happens and it goes away. I don't know. Well, I know, Mark, that you're a, a fan of prestige TV and, what I've been feeling with um, Iowa here lately is kind of reminding me of Matthew McConaughey talking about time being a flat circle, man. Because <laughs> it, it, these games are all just ending the same, and now the seasons are starting to look the same. I mean, I wrote about that in my column today that you know mm-hmm. I, I literally could have just grabbed a couple columns from 2014, from 2010. You know, it's the same thing that that not getting it done in the clutch being good but not great um you know like i said it, it's far too early i think to even be talking about hot seats or warm seats or brian ference's future but at, at some point this program has to break out of this kind of rut of being sort of kind of okay good right i mean well yeah. i you know and to, to add to that before you can jump in marcus sure i'm concerned the fan base is starting to be happy in the rut tory that some folks, when you talk about, you know, it's the argument you and I have had. I, I'm concerned that we just kind of, we, we've kind of found a comfort zone at eight and four, and a you know December 31st to January one bowl game. I think there's a, there is something to the Groundhog Day effect, and I'm going to go to Tom's message board where you, you know you guys hang out, and I I cruise it cruise it occasionally, not as often as I used to, but there, I think there was a post there this weekend, or maybe it was after Purdue. Basically saying, yeah, this feels. I've, there was a fatigue feel to it, you know, and there was like time warp, and I get that. And I, here's the next question, and it's much harder. And you, and, and Tori's right. At some point, there has to be a super harsh, objective measure of what you know, Iowa football is and what it wants to be, as far as the game on the field. Now, the win, graduate, do it right stuff. I, I think that's basically a Bardaism. But but man. He's wrapped the he's wrapped the whole program in that, or the whole athletic department in that. Uh, so the measure becomes okay. Well, I was you know putting out good guys and good people, and they're staying off the blotter for the most part. That's one thing. There is value that to that portion of Ferentz's job at Iowa, but really there also has to be coherent football and an offense right now. You know, there I think part of the uh, the um, I wouldn't say that there's an, uh, an attendance problem yet at Kinnick, but hard, sell, sellouts are harder and harder to come by. I mean, I, there's no denying that. And I think part of the problem there is the offense is boring to watch. And I, I, I think people look at the outside zone and running backs not being able to get that before being cut down by running uh, linebackers. They don't yeah. want to see that anymore. That that one, you know, Patrick Venn, I think, is is in a straitjacket somewhere in the middle of Nebraska because – that kind of broke him, and so you know that, that's that's fans. Well, see, I, I don't want to say I don't want to say it's the flavor of the day type of offense, but if you look at say just North, Northern Illinois, they have spread elements in that offense, and Iowa and Northern Illinois I think are kind of brother programs in that way. And if they can do it, Iowa can do those types of things too. I really think they can incorporate some of that stuff. I, I, I well, a boring offense is going to start to really turn you guys away. I think. Well, you, you know, I think you, you're hitting on something important here because, you know, you say it's the flavor of the month. If you add the flavor of the month up, you know, over 120 months, 
uh, or 240 months now that we've had uh, in the Ferens era, you you mm-hmm. see the game slowly sort of evolve and change. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and if you're still playing kind of roughly the same, uh, you know, the same approach, let's say, or the same identity that you've had, uh, you know, since the beginning, it starts to it starts to wear, and folks start to kind of figure it out. I think Tori uh, and Bill were saying this. Um, if you watch one of these high, uh, you know, high octane teams, you know, and I, I know you're going to cringe at the comparison, but, you know, if you sit down and you watch Alabama or Clemson uh, or even Michigan a little bit play, play football this year, it doesn't even look like they're playing the same sport. The, uh, the yards and the points are just, you know, seem to be effortless for them, whereas they're just so. Um, you know, such a burden, I think, you know, for us to kind of move up and down the field against, you know, arguably weaker defenses. So it is, I think that's the key is that at the end of the day, it's supposed to be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. And, and right now I think, I think people get locked up with uh, uh, just how it looks. And there, I think there've been a couple of, you know, I've kind of, I have asked Kirk a couple of questions this year about that have kind of, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to explain this correctly, but that it would kind of been about the, the old game of football that I think he is kind of clinging to and, he, and he's trying to protect. And my two things were are uh, that's that cup block stuff on the second level. Uh, to me, that was a you know people d- dismiss that as you know a, cra- a crazy rant, but to me, I think you know you shouldn't be if you're a linebacker, you shouldn't be able to hang out in the middle and wait to make a tackle. You should get cup block. And I think Kirk believes that, but now the game doesn't get called that way. I, I don't think, you know, I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, the the second part was, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, well, the RPO thing I asked him coming out of um, uh, Penn State. Right. You know, basically Penn State's blocking five, ten yards down the field. You know, I ask him that, and I go, well, you know, if they're doing that, why don't you guys do that too? Why don't you guys push the – uh, the envelope there, and with and, and that, that played out even more distinctly. I thought at Purdue with the holding, you know, Purdue decided, you know what, we're the worst defensive backfield in the country statistically. Why don't we just hold until they start calling it? Mm-hmm. And they never did. Right. And so that's football now. I mean, and they still haven't two weeks so, left. I uh, know. And, and so then it gets weird, you know. So Kirk, you know, where is he fighting? Is it is is he going to make Iowa play that way? Is he going to hold Iowa to those standards and? keep it there while there's other more quicksilver ways to move the football. Uh, I think he is. And, you know, I, 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 I think there's a ways around that. And I think Brian has shown some of that growth, but there's been not enough. And I think it comes back to, you know, somewhat, I think the offensive line has been spotty. I think uh, the running game hasn't held up its end. And, you know, that's why you have Iowa football kind of oblong at this point. But I do think that there's, there's a bigger type of story here in that uh, uh, I was fighting to keep that version of football alive. When you look at all the rules committees now, I, there are more spread offenses than there are pro-style offenses, probably by a lot. And so now the rules committees are polluted with those guys. Not polluted. I'm sorry. That's not the right yeah. word. The rule committee are filled with those guys. I'm sorry. If you, infected, you guys, if you guys listen to it. Infested? What were you looking for? What was the uh, <laughs> infested? Is even better. <laughs> if you guys listen to Scott and I in our podcast, we are we are distinct caveman football people. But uh, I think the the world of college football is is moved on from that. It's a spread universe now, and the rules reflect that. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, Jim Jim will remember this old chestnut, and I haven't drug it out for a while. 
but it, it bears repeating that I honestly believe that it, it, metaphorically, Kirk Ferentz has his big black book of how football is played, and that and it's etched in stone. And it's to him, it's like the Ten Commandments, and he'll lose a game without you know diverging from that book big book black of how football is played and i kind of love that about him <laughs> I, I i think that's great but then on the other hand i think you have to kind of look at it and say everybody every coach everybody in any profession has their weak spots and their strong spots and i think we've seen the body of work now to say it's it is fair to say that kirk ferentz is stubborn and maybe has even a little touch of hubris at times. Mm. Um, and I'm sure that, that stubbornness has served him well. You know, stick with what works. Do the fundamentals. That, that, that puts them in a position to win a lot of games. But I think this is another season, though, where I feel like maybe his stubbornness has cost Iowa a game or two, for sure. So, Tori, do you think that we've closed the book then on New Kirk or Kirk 3.0 or whatever? I mean, I, I just think it has season. its limits. It has its limits, and you don't cross certain lines. That's a great observation, actually, Tori. I think uh, it, New Kirk and going forward on fourth down, uh, what else would you throw into that? Uh, uh, the trick Some plays, the trick plays, yeah. what they're doing on special teams. That There is a New Kirk. And then there's, which is kind of a uh, protecting old Kirk, you know, what they want to do on offense, what they want to do with ground acquisition, what they want to do with time of possession and game control. They want that. They need that. Uh, that's how the offense works to kind of protect the defense that way. But I, I do think, you know, there's also a, a pretty amazing change going on with the defense that I'm not sure that is kind of coming through, I want to say kind of clunkily. If that's if I use that word correctly, uh, but it's kind of it's kind of shaky when it's happening in midseason, and it's it's the fan or not fan. I'm sorry, I got to get off that. It's the Imani Hooker to linebacker ish safety guy thing, mm -hmm. and then the, all the other linebackers kind of getting moved out. Uh, Nick Neiman, six four two thirty five. Do they now just have him around for the Wisconsin game? I mean, <laughs> there's a there's a defense that I would need to play need to have and be able to call up and dial up and play well when it plays Wisconsin and whatever sort of 12 or 22 personnel teams, basically Wisconsin right now. I, I think even Michigan state's kind of gotten away from that. And Michigan's a power spread now. Right. Ohio state has all those types of elements, but I think the Iowa defense right now is a little bit muddled. And they, you know, I asked Kirk today, what's its identity? And you yeah. know, there was, there was more, well, there are changing things. And uh, what are they going to do next year when, you know, with all these linebacker artillery laying around for one game. Uh, that's one thing they absolutely have to figure out. So here, here's something that literally just popped into my mind when we were talking about the old Kirk. And I, I was thinking, what I miss from old Kirk is having a kick-ass punter. And then it suddenly struck me, I, I'm not so sure that Iowa might not have won two or three of these games if they had a Jason Baker type, a guy that could change field position and do that, because I'm thinking even in, at the the Purdue game, there was that line drive punt right into the chest of the guy, like 25 Definitely yards. That and, then, one. and then I think in the Northwestern game, one of their right before one of their uh, their go ahead score was like a 25 yard punt too. And then there were the muffed punts in the other game. I mean, could Iowa have? eight wins right now if they just had a, a really good punter? 
Hunting is not winning, is what you're saying, Tor. It was until it wasn't. Uh, you got to give Raster the credit. He had a good like first six or eight games. Mark, I, I'm going to interrupt. He was lucky. He he kicks yeah, okay, that horrible that's fair. horrible that's fair. thing that and if it and here's what teams have said. Did you notice they put guys up now because they know he's going to kick this line drive. Well, if you let it hit the yes. ground, sure it's going to roll 50 yes. yards, catch it in the air, and you got a 25 yard punt. Absolutely, and Purdue Purdue is the one Tory that I'm at with with you on that. Uh, I think Purdue they leaked away field position, and uh, Purdue Purdue speed blew my mind. By the way, blew my mind. <laughs> I want Jeff Brom in the Big Ten. You guys, I know that you know you guys want to see the Hawkeyes have a, have an easy day against Purdue. Isn't the West much more interesting with that cat in it? I mean, yeah. wow. Yeah. They're fun so, to watch. They are. But, uh, Tori, I'm totally with you on punting at, in the Purdue game. I do think that there was a uh, field position leaked away there, and it hurt. And it might have made a difference. But also, and I hate to say this, because this is just this is going to sound like picayune, but you know, they tried to get the fullback two touchdowns and burned off about a minute. Uh, <laughs> that They probably could have used... When they resort to that that kick lateral crap, it, it's uh, like why don't you just uh, why don't you just punt the ball through through the back of the your end zone and call it a day, right? Because you're that's all you're gonna do anyway. So the minute that they spent trying to get Austin Kelly, and I, Austin Kelly, I get it, five year walk on. He's he is the man in your eyes because you know he's a five year senior, he's a walk on, he's been there for free. You want to give him a touchdown. I would have been okay with one, but two, and then burning off a minute. That mm. that kind of sucked for me. I I'm like, you know, what's what are we doing here? I mean, what is this? I mean, this is, mm. I mean, is is this like, uh, you know, at the church festival? What are the uh the, the you know the 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 fishing thing where you you, you pull back a prize every time? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't. I, I, I still don't nice. know what you're talking about, but that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a Catholic thing. It I is a Catholic thing. It's I know exactly Catholic. what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, you weirdos. Or the cakewalk. The cakewalk. That's <laughs> okay. But but yeah, I'm with you. I think Purdue hunting, and I think you know when the offense is kind of stuck in the mud, stuff like field position and punting really add up on Iowa fast. Mm. Well, Mark, uh, Illinois, Saturday, Nebraska, day after Thanksgiving. And, you know, I think, I think, you know, a couple weeks ago we were sitting here just ticking those boxes like they were gimmies. And now, I don't know, <laughs> they, they look, both of them. I mean, Nebraska for sure kind of, you know, is, is looking like they're sort of putting out the fire to some extent. And, uh, Illinois, I think Illinois bothers me maybe a little bit more than Tory or Bill, I think because they have talent at, at key positions and they got a kind of a sneaky, de- good defense too. So, uh, what do you, where do we go from here? I mean, there's a bowl, you know, obviously you said you, uh, you, uh, you know, have your hearts in San Francisco. I actually like to go to that red box bowl too. I mean, that would either one, either California is perfect for me. Uh, yeah. Florida, I, I can't do Florida again. No. Nashville will be fine, but um, Illinois, I think, is going to be really aggressive with Iowa. I mean, they're going to look at the Northwestern tape. It's the newest tape, and they're going to try to do everything the Northwestern did on defense against Iowa, uh, which was, I couldn't believe how much uh, Stanley talked about how much Northwestern blitzed today. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, he said every time it looked like we were going to run, they blitzed. Every time it looked like they were going to run, they blitzed. So the, that, that's that's troubling sentence in and of itself. Looked like they were going to run. So... That's bad, and, and Illinois is going to be playing like it's got nothing to lose. It it, it does have an outside shot to get to a bowl game. I don't think it beats Northwestern, and I don't think it beats Iowa. So it's at four wins, and I think I'll be stuck there. 
But it's going to it's going to challenge Iowa's offense. It's going to be aggressive with it, and you know the whole fact of Iowa's offense being re- reactive, that's going to be dicey every time because the defense will disrupt a, a reactive offense a certain percentage of time. I don't know about Nebraska yet. They're still three and seven, you guys, and they're still. But they have won three of the last four, and that offense is fun to watch. Let's be honest. Uh, uh, and they, so is their place kicker. That was bizarre. I couldn't stop watching that. I could not. Well, that was at the Purdue press box, and I, I think I was watching that through the third quarter. Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, um, I totally, I, I get the Nebraska angst and unease, but they're still three and seven, and Can they still you don't play know defense. How much just crap we've been like smack talk we've been loading on them on Twitter on the podcast. I, I mean, everywhere. I mean. It, you know, because it was like get the digs in until he gets it turned around. Because we knew at least it was a layup this year, and oh my god, I, the the karmic sandwich I may have to eat. I don't even want to think about. <laughs> someday that check is going to come due. Oh my god, no. So, well, my, that's uh, why Mark... I don't talk too much crap with the Bears. Uh, oh God, Packers and Bears are married. Uh, <laughs> and the Vikings, well, maybe the Vikings a little bit, but that's why I don't unload too much on the Bears because I know. At some point, I'm going to have to eat that crap. And uh, uh, but you guys should go to town in Nebraska face because why not? You guys, the, I, I love how that rivalry has become just an open ball of hate. It really is. Run it with really that, is. you guys. It certainly it's doesn't hold them back. No. Yeah, when they <laughs> no. lost, they don't care. So, um, so as you may have noticed, we don't have our third uh, wheel Bill. here. Bill, Bill is gone, and he he always gets pissy about us asking you too many beer questions. So I'm going to ask <laughs> you a beer question uh, since I have you on. Um, I, I've really grown to find Big Grove. I think they're really maturing and making some great beers. Have you had uh, the Turtle Hunter or any of their other hazy IPAs uh, yet this I- year, Mark? I've not had Turtle Hunter, but I have had Easy Eddie, and I would have that in my fridge any time. I agree with you, Tori. I think uh, Big Grove is is making gains in Iowa. I, I think just a consistent, you know, they started out with uh, in Solon, and they they made some really kick-ass beers right away. That brewer crapped out on him. He left. Um, he started his own thing, and so they went through a little transition. I think they're back now. Obviously, they're on their feet. And they're making some really great beer. I drive by Thew every day in Cedar Rapids. Uh, my friend Chris is making good beers. I'm so happy that there's a beer I can pick up on my way home. But, yeah, Big Grove, um, Iowa City, I, on game weekends, I, I, I can't imagine that place. You, you'll be able to find a place to sit. But I would highly recommend that new space down uh, – or new-ish space. I guess it's a year and a half old. But uh, Big Grove, yeah, cool place, great beers. I need to get more of that in my fridge. See, now we're off the rails, and Bill's going to be mad. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, it's always great to talk sorry, to you. Bill. Sorry, yeah, Bill. Yeah, sorry, Bill. It's always great to talk to you, Mark. Um, hopefully, maybe uh, we'll get to, to hang out at, a, at another uh, bowl event like we did you're a couple in years I was, ago. Yeah, you're in Iowa City now. We should have a beer. We should uh, actually have a a cocktail at uh, Clinton Street Social Club. I hey, love that place. Anytime, shoot me a text, man, and we can we can hook that up. You bet. And keep Doc hey, in line, too. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was oh, fun. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Bye, Mark. Mark. Take care, you guys. All right, well, let's turn now to our Gnome of Knowledge. And uh, shocker, I won, Tori, by being the most negative of, our, uh, of the three of us here. I kind of finally 
tuned into the dark side and picked Northwestern to win. Although I will say, Tori, you picked uh, Ivory Kelly Martin, uh, and uh, Bill picked uh, Fant, who we've already discussed. ICAM had that uh, fumble to end the game. I had the Sargent as my pick to click. Um, Really, the only right answer here would have probably been Amir Smith-Marset, I guess. Uh, if any, but uh, even even then, I think he Bowser uh, was it Bowser the big yeah, winner of the day? Yeah, but isn't I, he the bad was... guy in one of the Mario games? He is. He yes. is. Yes, he was. But uh, our princess is in another castle. <laughs> so, uh, but at least I I'm glad to see uh, Amir Smith Marset both making some plays in the return game and also getting some long receptions. Although we wasted every single one of those big plays uh, by shanking field goals off the, the uprights or whatever so it was unfortunate um but uh that turns us then to our upcoming game in illinois in the what did you call it once tori the champagne urbana memorial wind tunnel experimental yeah. wind tunnel uh yeah. shampoo banana <laughs> shampoo banana. <laughs> uh you're going to the game aren't you tori well, that's kind of that's kind of up in the air at this point. We we decided as a group that uh, if it's, we're going to literally be fair weather fans because we're going to take our uh, bunch of us have some high school age boys and we're going to go down and if it's going to be like over thirty five ish and halfway decent and dry, we'll probably still go. But I am not going to sit through you know freezing ass cold weather to to watch Iowa you know look mediocre i just am not have any interest in that so that was some freezing ass cold weather that you and i sat through uh two years ago up there so i i don't blame you at all yeah it would be nice to have a, a you know one of those sunny 50 degree november days that are a bit rare but they're around so uh bill i guess we're gonna put you on the spot here first as far as illinois what do you see because you were watching you were telling me the line is out of whack again this week right 15 and a half last I saw, which again, and, and I posted this on the board because we were favored by, I believe, what, 10 last yeah. week. And Gotta go with the metrics, Bill. The uh, metrics say. You know, I don't even know about this game. I'm, I, I want to say that, you know, Brian Ferentz's offense might put 13 on the board and maybe we'll get a pick six and be able to score 20. And, you know, I want my pick to click to be the spot on the bench underneath Noah Fant's ass. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if I say that, all of a sudden we're going to hang 52 on him and Noah Fant's going to have 120 yards receiving. So, you so know. say it. Uh, why don't I? <laughs> okay. Why don't I? Yeah. All right. Hawks get 20. We get okay. a pick six in there because the offense is terrible. And Illinois has been a wind tunnel for decades. And, you know, Tori, maybe you can explain why a quarterback from northern Wisconsin can't play in weather. Um, Has it been cold enough yet? (laughs) I I watched uh, the Nebraska-Illinois game, and they've got a great quarterback in A.J. Bush. He he can run. He can put things together with his feet. Um, I don't know how accurate he is, so I think that plays to our defensive strengths. But um, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those deals where we stop him and we stop him and we stop him, and then we need to stop him and we can't. So let's say Illinois 24, Hawks 20. Ooh, calling for the upset. Okay. Hey, I'm just being strategic. Uh, who's your, I want to win the and your pick is uh, 
Let's go to the spot on the bench underneath Noah Fant's ass. He gets less than three targets. Oh. How, how do I characterize that here? Fant? Fant no-show. Yeah. Fant no-show. All right. It's a fantasy. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, well, I think I that's giggled. a safe pick, actually. Uh, Tori, are, are you going to pick Illinois? Come on. Man. No, I'm not. Tory, and here's, here's, here's the thing that I think, and this is actually going to piss us off, I think. I think what we saw last week was a team that knew that it had everything that it could play for and had a clear path to the Big Ten West title and willed itself to victory, something that Iowa didn't do. I think Northwestern willed itself to victory and somehow they they managed to to do that. I think, you know, Illinois's got nothing to play for. Iowa maybe has a slight bit of pride, maybe to play for. Maybe, you know, they don't want to be in Detroit for the bowl season. So um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and once again predict that Iowa has motivation, which is okay. probably a joke on me. Um, hey, you flip that coin four times. It's got to come up once, right? Yeah, right. Here's the scare. Hey, I picked Penn State, so I, I got one of the losses. Um, but here's the scary stat that I had no idea and that is sort of terrifying. Illinois, quietly, is number two in rush defense in the Big Ten. And we already know Iowa can't run. So, yeah. I mean, this game has got to be won on the arm of Nate Stanley. And the last three weeks... how oh, he picked apart uh, Northwestern's uh, depleted secondary. I, I, the, the offensive line. I mean, we've been bashing Nate Stanley, but come on. Our guards are garbage. I mean, they are garbage. They they got beat like rented mules. The, the analogy <laughs> I used in my... Uh, in, in my uh, column this week was that it looked like a seven-year-old, uh, the push that they get looked like a seven-year-old kid trying to push a grand piano up a steep staircase. I mean, <laughs> they're just sliding back, back. Yeah, not good. So, I mean, yeah, Nate's been indecisive. He's stared down his receivers. He's got his little hitch in his arm, and he's getting no protection. So with all that, I'm going to say Iowa 35, Illinois 17. Wow, where's the, where's all the points coming from? You I just don't said know. No, no, because no running because they're freaking Iowa, and because no offense, gonna break out for twelve catches yeah, and oh, it's freaking Iowa. I mean, they're they're the most bipolar team in college football. I mean, you don't know what they're gonna get, so I'm just drawing, just pulling shit out of my ass. So, uh, man, <laughs> I'm just thirsty today, day. aren't I? My my dad this weekend, who uh, he was at Iowa in seventy five, seventy six, and seventy seven. Uh, there was no good football being played in those years. He said that he and his buddies used to call it the Hawk Factor Funnies. You, you know, you just <laughs> never knew what to expect from Iowa. And, and, and I feel like, you know, uh, Iowa coming out and putting 35 up is, is a Hawk Factor funny. Okay, but in all seriousness, do you, do either of you guys think this is a, a, a roster devoid of talent? Ours? No, roster? not at all. No. Yeah, and do you either of you guys think that our coaches always don't know what the hell they're doing? I mean, they they they're fully capable of putting together an amazing game. We've seen it over and over again. We've seen them do it, but it's and consistency if, of talent and it's consistency of you know the game plan yeah. and it's consistently executing. And it's just they can't they'll they'll you know they just can't do it. Well, and I think one thing kind of lost in the you know bad fourth quarter is that. Iowa's defense kind of kicked ass for 45-ish minutes Saturday. Uh, right up until the time they broke that long run. 
And didn't they force two turnovers around midfield, at which time the offense immediately went three and out? <laughs> I mean, what, two what picks. more One you... was like a tip drill, and then the other one uh, was a diving pit. Yeah, they had two picks. Yeah, and, the, and got no pickup from the offense. I right. mean, zero. So, you know, uh, this team is capable, against bad teams especially, of putting together a game. I think it could look a lot like the Minnesota and Indiana games, honestly. So that's so what who's I'm your going pick to click? My pick to click is going to be somebody on defense. You know, I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Hankins. I think he's going to get a pick. Interesting. Good pick. I saw I Mr. Like Hooker had a good game, uh, I thought. but uh, He always has good games. I love Imani Hooker. I, I wish this wasn't such a negative episode because we could talk glowingly about him for, for quite a while. Absolutely. So I'm also going to... Go over the dark side with Bill here. I think that this team, the wheels have officially come off. They are kind of following the car right now because they're at speed. But as soon as we hit a bump, they're going to go off into the into the ditch. So, um, uh, so I'm going to pick Illinois 27, Iowa 20. I think Illinois rips off a couple of long runs. Um, I think Iowa struggles to get field goals at first until Illinois starts answering field goals with touchdowns, and I think we start to fall further and further behind my pick to click is Hawkinson who has the only touchdown on the day. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's one of those short things and it's a terrible pass. Uh, but Stanley got it, you know, in the vicinity and, uh, TJ Hawkinson makes one of those TJ Hawkinson grabs. So that's my pick to click. And, uh, I hope I'm wrong. You're here. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, we've had our, uh, uh, our guest, we've had our letdown. Let's hope we don't uh, turn this into a 2012 repeat and we can at least start getting back on winning ways. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I'm up for another airing of grievances episode. I mean, three in a row is... <laughs> that was... Yeah. It's just, it starts to lose its therapeutic value after a while, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. <laughs> That's when we turn to whiskey and then, you know, the, the first first three losses bill just from 2012 experience you know you start hitting the heavy beers then you switch to whiskey and then you're mixing cocktails with whatever is underneath the sink so pretty soon uh, it's train spotting <laughs> and then there's a baby crawling on the seat hi brian ferris why so uh all right guys well at least we've got our sense of humor because you know if you don't laugh you'll cry that is true exactly. all right well let's bring this one in for landing let's end it as we always do and say on iowa Go Hawks. Please beat Nebraska. <laughs> Not bloody likely. It's looking shaky. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Good guys.